Welcome to Meals for Maturity, Bible talks to help you mature as a follower of Jesus, by Pastor Dom Fiocco. There may come moments in your life, in fact I'm convinced there will be moments across your life when you just struggle to find words to express yourself or call out to God in prayer. You know, moments when words just don't come out from your heart or your mind and then onto your lips. Now usually it's times of grief or great sorrow or pain and suffering or maybe even in hospital. But sometimes even in the mundane everydayness of life and you're struggling with sin, struggling through the various seasons of life, you might just find that words don't come all that easily in prayer. Well, we can thank God that in his kindness, he's given us 150 psalms to help us cry out to him, especially when words don't come easily or naturally. The book of Psalms is, of course, the biggest book in the Bible. Actually, it's five books in one. It's the most quoted Old Testament book across the New Testament. And it's also one of the most turned to parts of Holy Scripture that most of us, I I take, have opened and benefited from at some point. Martin Luther cleverly called it My Little Bible, uh, the condensed version of the bigger edition. Well, in this Meals for Maturity episode, I want to give us a big picture sermon on how this part of God's Word fits together. And in the next episode, we'll look at what are some of the benefits from being psalm-orientated people, uh, why we should find ourselves turning to the book of Psalms often. And then, God willing, I want to bring us five psalms, five different talks, and apply the psalms as followers of the Lord Jesus. So that's what's coming up in our Meals for Maturity series next. Now, the outline of today's big picture talk, uh, unpacking the genre of the psalms, and then working out what the psalms are actually telling us. So unpacking the genre of the psalms. In other words, what category or writing or literature do the psalms fall under? Now, this is helpful for any part of the Bible as we read it. We need to know what the genre is. Otherwise, you get into all sorts of trouble uh, in our reading and certainly in our application. Now, this is basic for any reading that we do, isn't it? That is working out the genre. So you don't read a work document or a briefing for your minister and then think, wow, this is great poetry. Or you don't read a news article online about an earthquake and think, wow, that's a great song. You don't read the Marvel comic book uh, about your favourite superhero and treat it like a court case or a piece of uh, legislation. You don't read uh, the letter to the Romans or Ephesians and say, hilarious, such a funny story. You don't pick up The Hobbit and try to read its two million pages and then think, now that's a great history book, isn't it? I wonder if Bilbo Baggins is my cousin. You see, for any literature we come across, we need to read it appropriately uh, and we understand uh, the type of genre. Otherwise, life and communication becomes a total disaster. So in our reading of anything, really, we're always adjusting and understanding the different types of genre, the different styles of literature. Now, across the Bible, of course, we have many different genres and, and literature types. So think about all that comes across in the Bible. For example, we've got history, one and two kings, chronicles, numbers, Uh, We've got law, so parts of Leviticus and Deuteronomy. We've got prophecy, Isaiah, Obadiah, Amos. We've got what's called wisdom writing, so the book of Proverbs or Ecclesiastes. We've got parables, like in the Gospels. We've got letters uh, to churches, letters to individuals. Uh, We've even got this genre called apocalyptic literature, so the book of Revelation or Zechariah in the Old Testament. 
And for each of these types of writings, we're called to use our brains to adjust our reading minds according to the different genres. So reading is really all about adjusting and understanding the different types of genre. Well, as we come to the Psalms, we need to realize that the bulk of them come to us uh, as poetry. There's much poetry across the Bible, so Song of Songs, Proverbs, Lamentations, parts of Job or Ecclesiastes, and then also scattered through many prophetic books. Even across some of the New Testament letters and the book of Revelation, we find poetry. Or just think about how poetic the start of John's Gospel is in John chapter 1. So as well as the various books of the Bible classified under uh, certain genres, even within these books and chapters, we find many different styles of literature uh, being used by one particular author. So reading our Bibles calls for attention, wisdom, uh, being aware of its context, being aware of the intention of the author and its genre, its style of writing. And because God in his wisdom has left us poetry to reveal to himself, uh, himself to us in the Psalms, it's important we understand and work out how to read poetry, especially how do we read Hebrew poetry. And there's various Hebrew poetry techniques that are used across the Psalms, and this will help us in our reading and in our applying. So things like parallelism, uh, acrostic, that is alphabet poems. There's, of course, rhythm and rhyme in the Psalms. There's repetition. There's meter and time. There's things called chiasms. That's A, B, C, C, B, A sort of structure. There's also poetic devices like uh, alliteration, anthropomorphisms. That's God described using human terms. There's assonance. See, I've just alliterated with all the A's. There's also hyperbole, paradoxes, metaphors, similes, opposites, word plays happening all the time. Listen to these examples from the Psalms. Here's just a, a little sample for you. Your word is a lamp to my feet. He or she is like a tree planted by streams of water. I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. The Lord's name is like a strong tower. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. As the deer pants for the water. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed my transgressions from me. All these uh, little lines, they show us various techniques that are being employed across the Psalms for dramatic effect and really to delight our imaginations, our feelings. Uh, that's what poetry does. The Psalms are full of emotions, expressions, full of feelings. I sometimes like to think of the Psalms as a playlist of emotions to express to God. I'm sure you've got your various playlists of songs on your various music devices. Well, here's God's playlist for the life of faith. Or if you like, picture the 150 Psalms needing 150 different emojis to capture them. All the different feelings and emotions for our lives lived by faith. The Psalms give words. They give prayers to us when we sometimes can't find those words whether it's honest questioning to God, whether it's times of dark depression, uh, moments of anger even toward God or others, uh, overflowing joy or exuberant praise and thanksgiving, sorrow for our sin, utter dependence upon God. One writer uh, says somewhat poetically, he says, Poetry knows that mankind does not live by propositions and prose alone. Well, before we go any further, I want us to soak ourselves in the poetry of this famous psalm as cherub 
uh, reads to us. Let this psalm just wash over you and refresh you and remind you again of the beauty of God's poetic genre. Psalm 23, 1-6 The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Often Psalm 23 gets read at funerals. I think it's more a psalm for the living rather than the dead. Well, another way to understand the genre of the book of Psalms is to realize that they're actually songs. They're meant to be, the Psalms are meant to be sung, uh, recited out loud. So Psalm 23 certainly has been sung across the ages. In fact, in the book of Psalms, here is Israel's worship or hymn book. That's why as you read the Psalms, uh, sometimes you'd notice some musical terms or instructions that are assigned to them. So Psalm 75, for example, we read to the choir master with stringed instruments to the tune of do not destroy. Uh, perhaps you could read that to your toddler or to your dog or your kitten as they tear up your lounge. Uh, Psalm 88, uh, we read a song of the sons of Korah to the choir master, uh, to the choir master master, a mascal of He-Man, the Ezraite. So good old He-Man makes a comeback in the Psalms. And then also scattered throughout the Psalms, we have these various musical terms like Sila and Shigion. Uh, most of the time we don't really know what they mean. Uh, but for the songwriters out there, you don't have to come up with any original lyrics. You can just plagiarize lots of the Psalms. Copyright doesn't matter, so the lawyers can't get you, you see. You can just take the Psalms and you write new music for God's people today. And that's pretty much what the modern uh, songwriters like uh, the Gettys and Stuart Townend and Matt Papa and the Sons of Korah are doing for us. So the Psalms come to us as poetry, as songs, but we can further classify the Psalms into different subcategories like wisdom writings, laments, uh, praise and thanksgiving, historical poems. That's why sometimes we, we're told various details of the Psalms, like this is when David was hiding in the cave, or this is when the temple was being dedicated. We get Psalms of prophecy. Even royal poetry uh, could be another classification. It's like when you see a butterfly collection, you know, those poor helpless creatures with a pin stuck through them. And then the butterfly experts, whatever they're called, maybe butterflyologists, they then classify them further into different categories. Well, that's just like the 150 psalms we have. The species is called poetry songs, but then you can stick a pin in them and you can classify them down further under different subcategories or families or classes. That's about all I can remember from biology, by the way. Another way to think of the Psalms uh, when talking about their genre is to think of them like a prayer journal. I'm not sure if you keep a prayer journal. I've been journaling uh, for most of my Christian life and it's a great discipline that I've found uh, to really help me in my devotional life each morning. But here in the book of Psalms is a record of various people seeking to live God's way. Uh, so people like King David, Solomon, Moses, Asaph. Uh, so they've journaled personal letters 
to God. And we're sort of eavesdropping on their quiet times. But God is the first audience of these song poems. That is, they're addressed to him like a prayer journal. Finally, when thinking about the genre of psalms, we need to remember that they're part of God's word. So 150 prayer poem songs lifted up to God, but remarkably, they're also God's word to us as well. So God's people address God, yet at the same time, it is still God's word to us. It's like God is saying to us, here are 150 new songs to sing to me, but here's a list of songs from me, from God, uh, to us as well. So unpacking the genre of Psalms, four ideas to ponder. Uh, poetry, uh, think of the Psalms as songs, uh, like a prayer journal, and certainly God's word to us. Well, what about working out what the Psalms are telling us? What are they all about? Well, three things to help us in this Bible talk and in the next Bible talk, I'll give you a two, uh, two further things to think about. Firstly, the Psalms are telling us to always remember to never forget, to borrow a poetic lyric of the songwriter Christy Knuckles. Always remember to never forget. Even though the Psalms are not recording for us a narrative history of ancient Israel, like, say, in the book of Exodus or Numbers or Samuel and Kings, they're not giving us the great drama of Nehemiah or Esther or Daniel chapters 1 to 6, but the Psalms are not giving us any new information about life and the history of the people of God in the Old Testament, but rather the Psalms, many of the Psalms, are looking back at what God has done for his people and they're saying to us, or they're singing to us, remember what the Lord has done for your mums and dads and the generation before them and the generation before them. Remember the great salvation works that God has done for us out of sheer grace for his people chosen in Abraham. So Psalm 106, for example, a great history lesson summarizing the story of Exodus. And then right at the end we read, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting and let all the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord. Always remember to never forget what God has done for us. Look back and see his kindness toward you. Psalm 47. For the Lord the Most High is to be feared, a great king over all the earth. He subdued peoples under us and the nations under our feet. He chose our, our heritage for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loves, Selah. Always remember to never forget what God has done for us. Look back and see his mercy at work. Another example, Psalm 136 begins, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. And then the rest of Psalm 136 goes on to recount part of the Exodus story. Always remember to never forget what God has done for us. Look back and know his steadfast love endures forever. And we can see parallels of the New Testament story for us, can't we? Uh, we can see why we share together in the Lord's Supper, why we sing songs about the cross and the empty tomb, why we teach our children. Always remember to never forget. Like ancient Israel, we need to be people of memory that is getting in the TARDIS with Doctor Who and going back in time or jumping in the DeLorean with Marty McFly. So firstly, the Psalms are telling us to open our Bibles and always remember to never forget God's great acts of redemption, of salvation, pointing us eventually, of course, to remember the Lord Jesus and the gospel of grace.
Secondly, the, the Psalms are telling us that praising and thanking God is the foundation of our worship. Now, we all know the importance of foundations in buildings, don't we? Even my chook pen has foundations. Well, the Psalms help us build a solid foundation for our worship by making sure praise and thanksgiving is the baseline. Did you realize that in every psalm, except Psalm 88, uh, every psalm contains some element of praise? In fact, the Hebrew title for the book of Psalms is called Songs of Praise. And each of the five books of the psalms actually ends with a psalm that has a doxology, that is a praising of God. So let me give you the examples. Book 1, Psalm 41, verse 13. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who lives from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord forever. Amen and amen. Book 2, Psalm 72, verse 19. Praise his glorious name forever. Let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. Book 3, Psalm 89, verse 52. May the Lord be praised forever. Amen and amen. Book 4, Psalm 106, verse 48. May Yahweh, the God of Israel, be praised from everlasting. Let all the people say, Amen, Hallelujah. And then book 5, the last psalm, Psalm 150, verse 6, the last verse. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So the psalms help us really to praise and thank God for what he's done, but also for who he is. And as Jesus' people, the same applies for us now, doesn't it? praising God for what he's done in the Lord Jesus Christ, but also for who God is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And whenever a psalmist comes across something beautiful or majestic or noble or excellent in creation, the first response for them seems to be that they get their harps out or their cymbals or their flutes and they, and they write a song of praise and thanks to God. And that makes perfect sense, doesn't it, for us as New Testament readers, with a constant reminder to pray with thanksgiving. So we're working out what the Psalms are telling us. What are they about? Firstly, the Psalms tell us to open our Bibles. Always remember to never forget. The Psalms are telling us, secondly, to open our Bibles and to realize that praise and thanking God is the foundation of our worship. And thirdly, the Psalms are telling us to open our Bibles and marvel at the glimpses of the gospel we're being given. Digging up uh, treasures from the Psalms are endless when we think about the gospel that saves us. There are glimpses of the gospel everywhere across the 150 Psalms. One writer puts it beautifully. He says, To see Christ in the Psalms is to find the pearl of great price and be lost in wonder, love and praise. Let me give you just a sample of a few of the gems to be discovered. So there's the great themes of redemption, salvation, deliverance, all staring us in the face as we stare in the face of the Psalms. So Psalm 130 verses 7 and 8. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for there is faithful love with the Lord, and with him is redemption in abundance, and he will redeem Israel from all its sins. So you can't help but read the Psalms and see glimpses of the gospel and praise God that through Jesus' death and resurrection, he has purchased redemption in abundance for us. Glimpses of the gospel, you see it in the themes of peace and forgiveness and mercy and atonement. So Psalm 79 verse 9, for example, God of our salvation, help us. 
for the glory of your name. Deliver us and atone for our sins because of your name. You can't help but read the Psalms and see glimpses of the gospel and praise God that through Jesus, his blood washes us clean and we have atonement for our sins and peace with God. Glimpses of the gospel and the theme of all nations. So Psalm 117, the the 117, uh, the shortest psalm, a universal call to praise. Praise the Lord, all nations. Glorify him, all peoples, for his faithful love to us is great. The Lord's faithfulness endures forever. Hallelujah. So you can't help but read the psalms and see glimpses of the gospel and praise God that because of Jesus, the gospel goes to the ends of the earth, to all nations, to all peoples, tribes, tongues, languages, uh, that will all bow before King Jesus. The Psalms are telling us to marvel at the glimpses of the gospel we've been given. For in these great ancient poems, we're reminded to look back and we're also being taught to look forward and to discover uh, the doctrines in more full Uh, disclosure, if you like, the doctrines of revelation, of salvation, of sin, of grace, all being fulfilled in and through our Lord Jesus. Like the rest of the Old Testament, uh, we don't read the Psalms in isolation from the New Testament. We have one eye in the Psalms, that is understanding its original setting, and the other eye watching for glimpses of the gospel. Hopefully you've got two eyes And we're looking to see how the New Testament writers give us patterns and typology and they have sometimes direct psalm quotes uh, pointing us to their fulfillment in Jesus. Remember how Psalm 23 uh, begins? The Lord is my shepherd. Yes, he is that in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, he goes by the name of the Good Shepherd from John chapter 10, who lays down his life for his sheep that we might know for certain that goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life and that we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well, there you go. For this Bible talk, we've unpacked the genre of the Psalms. We've looked at three things the Psalms are telling us. Firstly, always remember to never forget God's great acts of redemption and salvation. That, secondly, praising and thanking God is the foundation of our worship, our baseline, And thirdly, uh, we are to marvel at the glimpses of the gospel we are given across uh, these psalms. Now, I hope that inspires you to flip open the biggest book in your Bible and to rest often in its lush green paddocks. For the next episode, we'll dig into two more themes and then we'll look at some benefits of being psalm-orientated people in the Lord Jesus. But for now, why don't you think about your favourite psalm and go away and reread it in light of this intro Bible talk today. Thanks for listening to Meals for Maturity. Keep growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ.